How amazing is that testimony? I am loving hearing great news while we've got all these things going on that are unprecedented and wild and causing us to go, oh my goodness, how am I going to get through this? And in the middle of it, look at the testimony of God blessing his people in spite of this. And in fact, alongside of this. So anyway, thank you so much, Ethan, for sharing that testimony. Absolutely blessed my heart. And um, how many of you guys are so encouraged by that? Amazing. Um, I forgot to remind everybody when I first opened the service today that we do want to take this time, hopefully each Sunday, to share. As I've said, it's never been easier to invite your friends to church. So um, don't forget to share. And, and right now is not too late. Go ahead and click share. Um, I think this word would bless anyone. I certainly uh, know that the gospel of the kingdom is good news every day for everybody. Well, um, when, when this all came down, uh, Jason and I prayed about it and talked it over, and we really felt like it was appropriate for us to go in and take some time meditating on the Psalms and walking through this and just responding to, um, to what we we're all being faced with in this season. And then, uh, but now we are ready to get back to um, our study on Luke. So this week, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to go ahead and preach out of uh, Luke 13 and 14, which means next week your reading will be 15 and 16. And, uh, and so we're going to go ahead and finish out the book of Luke. And um, you guys, I think, already have that reading schedule, but I'm sure we'll post it so you can know what to do. But just in case you're wondering, this coming week, read Luke 15 and 16. So I'm going to begin with the scripture. Um, in Luke 13, uh, verses 1 through 9, I just want to read through that. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure or fertilizer. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Now I want you to catch the backdrop here. Jesus is there teaching. He's, he's, he's come into Jerusalem and he's teaching the people in Jerusalem. And he's he's he is the Messiah. So you need to understand that Jesus is the lamb that is going to be slain. He's coming and he's saying, I am Emmanuel, God with you. And I'm about to make this huge sacrifice, giving my own life so that no one, absolutely no one is going to be left behind if they'll just humble themselves and come to me. I'm going to make it to where every sin, every failure, every sickness, every disease and death itself will no longer be able to permanently hold you back because I'm going to redeem all things. So Jesus is, is coming in the kindness of God, and he's sharing this. So when you hear these, these words, which I, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I read things like where, where Jesus is saying, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Well, I tell you, unless you repent, you will always also likewise perish. 
And there have been times when I've read that scripture and I've felt, honestly, probably condemned. Not because God was condemning me, but because my own heart has, was, was forgetting, like, wait a minute, I'm viewing this from a perspective of my own uh, ability to save myself. I'm viewing this from a perspective of knowing my own shortcomings. And so I'm immediately, instead of realizing that Jesus is saying, I'm here right now telling you that I want you to change your mind about what you're doing and humble yourself. But I'm, I'm receiving it from a perspective of like, oh man, God is saying like, essentially like almost nobody's going to make it. And isn't, isn't that just the trick, isn't it? How often do we just absolutely miss the character of God, just absolutely cast him in the wrong light and, and assume terrible things about his character because the backdrop here, as I told you, the context of this is that Jesus is coming and he's getting ready to go and die on a cross for me and you and the whole world and redeem all things. So that is obviously not the message. The message is not, you guys are in trouble and I'm upset with you and rah, rah, rah. That's not it, because he's there to save everybody. So I wanna, I wanna point out a couple things about this story. And, and as I was looking at this, this is a perfect word for us right now. In the middle of a, of a worldwide crisis, in the middle of, the, we have literally locusts in Africa right now. We have earthquakes in different places. We have economies that are crashing, and we have other countries that are going through worse things than we're going through. And what has been astonishing to me is how quickly one can become self-righteous in these kinds of things. And I want to point out that there's a self-protection that lies beneath the surface, there's, there's a belief that bad things are happening to wicked people, and therefore they must be extra wicked, and I must be doing pretty good. Because that's the point that the Galileans are making. They're saying, or that, the, that they're making about the Galileans, they're saying, oh my goodness, did you see this terrible thing that happened to them? And they're assuming that Jesus is going to say, oh, I'll tell you why that happened to them, because they were extra special wicked. They were specifically wicked, definitely more wicked than me. I'm safe, right, Jesus? But Jesus looks right into, the, right into the motivation of their heart, and he's going, you guys are missing the whole point here. And he says to them, do you think they were more wicked than you? Do you actually believe that their sins are more fatal and, and, and absolutely destructive and broken than yours? Like, you think because your behavior hasn't caught up with your heart motivation that you're more righteous than those. But I'm telling you, unless you repent you will also likewise perish. It reminds me of in the Garden of Eden when God said to Adam and Eve, he said, listen, when you eat from this fruit in that day, you will perish. Well, Jesus is saying the same thing. He's like, what fruit are you eating of right now? Because what you're eating of right now is self-righteousness. You're believing that you are actually in a better position than those people. And you're actually comforting yourself that because something bad hasn't happened to you yet, that you must be better than them. But what lies behind that is, is we're misunderstanding the character of God. We're misunderstanding that the reality is when we, when we have a great day, do you know what that should cause us to do? It shouldn't cause us to say, oh God, I thank you. Like the Pharisees, right? Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like all those sinners. I thank you that I'm not a dirty sinner like all those people who obviously must be sinning because look, they have locusts. That's an irony right now in Africa going through everything with locusts when the truth is one of the greatest revivals in the world is going on in Africa right now. There's more believers in Africa than, than in many places in the world. Clearly, that's not why that's happening. But it's easy for us when we're in this self-righteous position to try to point the finger. 
And it speaks to something that's going on in our hearts. It's speaking to this idea that we actually believe that we can save ourselves. It's, it's speaking to this place, too, where we're actually distancing ourselves from gratitude and humility. Now, I want to I unpack this a little bit more. I want to remind you that, that it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. That he's the God, it says in the scriptures, it says, he's the God who causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. That Jesus, as he's speaking these words, he's saying he's present with them. I want you to catch this. God himself has come down and he's standing on the earth and he's humbled himself and become just like us to face every single temptation, every single trial, every single everything we've gone through. And if you think about it even more, because Satan is there directly, specifically trying to murder him and undermine him. And in the midst of all of that, he's, he's still willing to be present and he's on his way to give his life, to be the servant of all, to be despised and have people ashamed of him. And he's doing all of this because the only desire that's in his heart is that every one of us would humble ourselves and turn to him so that we don't perish. His, his goal every single time in every single situation is that we would turn from our wicked ways, that we would turn from self-righteousness, that we would turn from the idea that we can save ourselves, that we would turn from this idea that we're somehow um, always inherently good, but all those other people, they're inherently bad. Now, the truth is we all have a propensity to be able to sin. We have a propensity to, be, to, to desire to be selfish, and do you think that doesn't creep in? Do you think that's not a temptation or a sin for us? I tell you, it is. You know, it's amazing in the middle of this, I, I think that, that there's, a, there's a pandemic, yes, but this, but this pandemic that was brought on by the enemy, we know it comes from the enemy because the enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy. And we can see that, number one, the COVID virus kills people, so we know that's not coming from the Lord. He came to give us life and life abundantly. He, to destroy, we know that, 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 the, that there are people's well-being and their livelihoods are being destroyed right now. We know that's not coming from the Lord. To steal, we look at the money that people were counting on to be able to move forward and care for their families, and, and those things are being snatched away in, in large part right now because things have been shut down. So we know this didn't come from God. And I want to be really clear about that. This didn't come from God. However, as the enemy is coming in and he's trying to work this to evil, we know that God promises, I will work this to good. And that's what I want to talk to you about right now is that God desires for every one of us to understand that this is an opportunity for us not to point the finger, not to, to blame others or to try to find out who's more wicked, because I got to tell you, there's a lot of that talk going on right now. There's a lot of triumphalism right now among believers that are like, yeah, the wicked are getting their comeuppance right now. And there's almost like a, a certain joy that's going on as though, as though God rejoices when any of his children, whether acting righteously or acting wickedly, when any of them are going through something, he doesn't rejoice when they're being hurt. He doesn't rejoice when that's happening. That's not his desire. He, Jesus says here, he says, listen, I want you to repent so that you won't perish. And that's always his message to every single person. For those of us that are walking with the Lord right now, this is not the time for us to point the finger at others, to point the finger at our leaders, to point the finger at our elected uh, politicians and, 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 to, and to criticize. In fact, I'm gonna share a scripture with you in just one moment, but I wanna say, 
that, that, that it's, it's vital for us to catch the rest of the story. Verse 6, he says, he tells the parable that a man had a fig tree planted and it wasn't bearing fruit for three years. And, and then he says, but the one who is caring for the vineyard says to him, give me one more year. Well, Jesus is the one that's caring for these vineyards. He's the one that's caring for the vineyard, this earth. And, and when Jesus came, he was actually laying his life down to dig up the ground, to redeem the earth. And he's saying, let's take some more time. Let's fertilize. Let's give this tree, let's, or this vineyard, let's give this vineyard every chance that it has to bear fruit. And what is that fruit? It's the fruit of humility and repentance and righteousness. You see, God's calling us to love him with all of our heart, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's why we're here. We're here to glorify him and enjoy him always. And he never has a part of him that's like, but I sure hope this one doesn't repent. I sure hope that one doesn't repent. No, he came that all who believe in him would be saved. And he hasn't changed his mind right now. You see, Jesus is here, and he's, he said, give him more time. Give them more time, and in fact, not only let's give them more time, but let's, you and I, let's work to see that they have the best possible chance to turn to me with their whole heart. And, and this, is, this is where we are. This is where we are. You guys are familiar with that scripture in Chronicles 7, uh, 14, that he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. Now, I want to, I want to, I don't know how to convey it, so I'm just going to say it and trust that the Spirit of God is moving on us. But this is not the time for the pointing finger. In Proverbs, it says there are like five things that God hates, and one of them is the pointing finger, malicious talk. In fact, let me, let me just, uh, let's go to Isaiah for just one moment. Isaiah 58 uh, verses 9 and 12. You can go there in your Bibles. This is where God is talking about the acceptable fast. I want you to understand that in the Bible, when it says humble yourself and pray, fasting is a part of that. To humble ourselves in the sight of God, when we do that, we humble ourselves with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. It means that we're saying, I can't be my own savior. I want you to catch that too because Jesus, when he's talking to these, to these Jews and they're saying, Lord, what about these guys? Were they more evil? And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, no, they weren't more evil. You all need a savior. And in this time right now, a lot of us are being faced with the reality that we need a savior, that we need someone that's bigger than ourselves, that we're actually not self-sufficient. You and I are not the smartest person in the room. Jesus is the smartest person in the room. You and I are not able to bring the answers for, for everything that's going, to be, that's going to be worked out. You and I are called to pray to the one who brings the answers. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm compelled, I believe, by the Spirit of God to call us to humble ourselves. The Scriptures are telling us, humble yourself. You see, when we are on this earth, and for as long as we are, you and I are to stand in the gap 
We are, and what did Jesus say about our enemies? He said, love your enemies, and he said, pray for those who spitefully use you. And being on social media right now while people are sitting home and they're under pressure and they're frustrated and they're upset, and let me tell you something, some of the gross stuff, the wicked stuff that's in our heart where we're willing to point at those Galileans, we're willing to point at those politicians, we're willing to point at those other nations and those, and those laws that we don't like, those people that, that did them, and we're willing to go, they're the wicked ones and God is bringing this and da 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 And it's like, no, first of all, you need to understand we're called to stand in the gap to humble ourselves and to pray. We're called to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I need a savior, as does the whole world need a savior. Jesus doesn't give us the opportunity to start criticizing everyone in this earth. He's never told us to do that. In fact, he told us to love our enemies and pray for those who spitefully use us. I overheard a woman who was getting the, the checks that just came out in order to help us get through this time. And many of you have received those checks. And there was a particular woman, and she said, well, I made sure that I signed mine up for direct deposit because I don't even want to see our president's name on that check. And, and I think about that, and I go, what are you doing right now? Like, like we have this love affair with self-righteousness. This idea that because there are broken, flawed people, then they're not allowed to do one single thing right, and we think that the wall of Siloam should fall on them. We think they should have their blood mixed with the sacrifices of Herod. We, we have this love affair. We have this desire to see people get punished, and while we do that, we turn around and say, but I'm fine, I don't need punishment. I got everything going right. You guys, this is the opposite of what God desires. I want to read you verse 9 about the fast that the Lord calls us to. He says, Then you shall call to the Lord, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you'll be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You will raise up the foundations of many generations. You'll be called the repairers of the breach, the restorers of streets to dwell in. Now is not the time for us to point the finger. Now is the time for us to realize that God has, 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 has for, for the reason I do believe, yes, much wickedness is in the earth, but he's not asking us to point out who's doing it. You're wicked, you're wicked, that's wicked. This is why God's doing this, rah, rah, rah. Okay, you know what? Here's what it is. When these things happen, it's time for us to humble ourselves and to fast and pray and say, Lord, we need a Messiah. We need a Savior. Our smartest and brightest minds didn't know how to deal with this yet. Now, God is going to relent because let me tell you something. First of all, he didn't bring it, but he's going to bring a solution as we pray. So this is a hope-filled message for all of us. But what I'm saying is, in this moment, what are we required to do? We're to embrace this time by humbling ourselves. We're to stop pointing the finger God has not called you and I to point the finger. He has not called you and I to speak wicked things about other people. Do you know that every time you condemn someone else, you condemn yourself? I, I don't know how many times that I've heard the criticisms of our president, who's a very complex man, 
And I think about, this isn't a political message, but this, he's like, it's like this is the legal thing, is that all Christians are allowed to talk smack about politicians. Kate Brown, I've heard horrible things said about her. I've heard horrible things said about President Trump and the way that he has had deplorable behavior. So no, I'm, not, I'm in no way excusing that. It's absolutely wrong. But I find it amazing that right now in a nation where in the church seven to eight out of ten men consistently use pornography and five to seven women are engaged in pornography, that we're willing to say that that man Trump, because of the way that he's talked about women, should not be allowed to lead anything, while we ourselves are guilty of the same things. And we don't find ourselves repenting, we don't find ourselves humbling ourselves and saying, God, we're all conflicted. We are all in a place of compromise. You see, what we should look at is in times like these to say, God, we need your mercy, not your judgment. And beloved, he says, I love mercy more than judgment. Think about what he said in, in Luke when he shares the parable. He says, he says, let's not cut this tree down. God is not here to cut down or cut this vineyard down. Let's not cut it down. He's not cutting us down. There's more time. He's the God who's giving us more time. But we as believers are to lead the charge in humbling ourselves. We're the ones that are called. In fact, in Luke 14, at the end, he says this to them. He says, you need to, you need to lay down your own lives. You need to take up your own cross. And he says this, I want you to live like this. I want you to live for me and unto me and with me above all other things. And then he says, salt is great, but if it's lost its saltiness, what's it good for? And beloved, right now is a time for us. Jesus is saying to us, let me heal you. Let me restore your saltiness. You are called to be the light of the world, and you are called to be a preservation of the world, to provide more time for repentance. You're called to lead the charge in humbling yourself, not becoming self-righteous, not saying, well, look at those guys. There, a wall fell on them. That's clearly the judgment of God because of how wicked they are. No, no, no. We're not. In fact, the Bible says that we are not to rejoice when the wicked fall. It says, be careful that you don't rejoice when the wicked fall. We're, we're called to pray for our enemies. And I would say, starting now, and many of you are already doing this because the Spirit of God is stirring this up in us, that he's saying, listen, my kindness is present even in this moment. I desire to come and heal your land. But it is predicated on us turning away and joining the one who says, I want to give more time. I want to break up the ground and fertilize it. Well, you and I do that through fasting and prayer. You and I do that through having a heart that says we all need a Messiah. You and I do it by having humility and gratitude for every time that we're blessed. Not because we say, oh, I was worthy to be blessed, but rather we say, my father is good and he doesn't count my sins against me. He has made me a new creation and he's forming Christ in me. Not because I earned it, not because I deserve it, but because he's good and he loves me and he chose me because of how good he is and because he's a good father. And I want that for everyone else in the world. I want that for every government. I want it for every school. I want it for every leader. I want it for my children. I want it for your children. I want it in our nations that we would turn to the Lord because he's never changed his mind. He's good. So I pray for all of us that we would stop with the pointing finger. I pray that we'd be convicted in our hearts and when, we, when, we're, when we're criticizing our leaders and we're having a horrible attitude as though their wickedness has somehow separated them from God's desire to have them repent. 
then where does that leave us? Because we all have fallen short of his glory. We're only here because of his kindness. So let's take this moment. Let's take this season. And let's return to the Lord with our whole heart. Let's say, God, we need you to have mercy on the earth. We don't rejoice in the loss of anyone's life. We don't rejoice in judgment coming on the earth. Not judgment from God. When, when I say judgment coming on the earth, I mean that we have made terrible choices as, a, as, the, as people of the earth, and there are natural consequences that happen, but God's mercy will even intervene in those natural consequences, and that's his desire. And you and I are to be on the side of repentance, and it's his kindness that leads to repentance, so you and I are called to be kind. And in every space where we're blessed, let there be gratitude and humility. And in every space where there are those that may be dying or going through hard times, we should never rejoice, but we should say, Father, that your gospel would move in that place. God, that your kingdom would come. Stir up that vineyard, Lord. Give it more fertilizer and let the people of God pray because we know that your promise is that you, O oh Lord, desire that we would repent. Repent means simply to turn away from one thing unto another, to change your heart wholeheartedly with all of your soul and to abhor those sinful things that were there before. Now's a time for us to turn to him. Not necessarily even because we're afraid, but because we're we're desperate in all the right ways because we're reliant upon him in all the right ways. And some of us too, and I'll say this, this season has brought up some gross stuff in my heart. It has brought up some things in me that I went, oh my gosh, Josh, when did you become self-righteous again? Where did this come from? And I'm embracing, I'm embracing this time to say, oh Lord, I've been trying to be the smartest person in the room all the time. I've been doing the right things, but in some places I've been doing them for the wrong reasons, Lord. And my motivations stink because they're not about you being glorified. They're about me. And I'm going to continue to do the right things, but as I'm humbling myself and praying, the Lord is purifying my heart so that I can do them for the right reasons. Let us embrace this time to humble ourselves in prayer and fasting. Let us not be like those who are pointing fingers and deflecting. Rather, let us take this time to allow the Holy Spirit to wash us with the water of the word, to confront our mindsets and perhaps our habits, and let us become salty again. This is a time for humility and gratitude. Let's respond to Jesus. Let's turn to him with our whole hearts. Let's not waste this season. We know that God, when he was speaking to Lot, he said, if you can find 10 people in this city, I'll save the city. Well, beloved, there are many more than 10 people in all of these nations right now. The question is not whether or not there are those that call upon the name of Jesus. The question is, are we calling upon the name of Jesus? Are we humbling ourselves? Let's do that, and let's see the great things that God will accomplish in this time. I believe we're on the precipice of the next great awakening that's going to happen in the earth, and you and I have an opportunity to be a part of that. So let's humble ourselves and pray and let him purify us. Amen. I want to encourage you guys. I'm going to pray and I'm going to end this message. But I want to encourage you, if you need prayer, then please message us. We want to, we want to pray with you. We want to lift you up. We want to support you. We want to bless you. I want to encourage you right now, if you're stirred in your heart, then you can pray and ask the Lord, Lord, how would you like me to humble myself? Many of you, the Lord's been talking to you about fasting, and I, I just want to confirm, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. He's telling you, yes, humble yourself with fasting and prayer. Turn to me. 
Stop seeking your strength from bread alone, but start living from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I want to encourage you in that. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray now. Father God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you that your kindness leads us to repentance. You don't even, you don't, you don't like to be mean. You're not vindictive. If you, O Lord, kept a record of wrongs, who could stand? But that's not the desire that you have. You're, you're the God that says, come and let's argue our case together so that I can blot out your transgressions. Forgive us for the places where we're actually delighting in those that are getting punished or those that are, that are getting knocked down or what have you, Lord. And you, you've told us not to do that. Forgive us, Lord, that we haven't been praying for our, for our political leaders if they're not from our favorite party or if they're flawed and broken. Instead of praying for them, we've been pointing the finger and condemning them and creating distance as though, as though our sins are somehow less than theirs, Lord. Forgive us, God. Help us to humble ourselves underneath your mighty hand. And Lord, let salvation spring up. Let us be a part of what Isaiah 58 has called us to be, Lord, that we could be repairers of the breach that we could be sons and daughters of the Most High, bringers of good news, knowing that your kingdom is our home. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you grace, that he would be gracious to you. And may he give you shalom. I love you guys.